from the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. We are here on Friday, just like we are every Friday. And this Friday is a little different, as you may have noticed. Uh, Interesting things are happening in the world, and we thought we would uh, not shirk from our duty to at least address them for you. I don't know if we'll make any more sense than anybody else. That'll be for you to decide. But we're going to talk about this COVID-19 situation today. And uh, we're not going to talk a lot about the numbers. And we're going to explain why that is. By the way, we're here with our friends, Andrew Mueller, who is uh, an oral surgeon here in town. He's a, a man of above average intelligence. And we're here with Dr. Bradford, a woman of above average intelligence. And you'll have to make <laughs> your own decisions about me. But uh, both of these people are well-educated. Steph's degree is in pharmacology. She has a Ph.D. in pharmacology from Duke. I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but it's worth noting that uh, she has had both research and clinical experience. Andrew is both an oral surgeon and a doctor. And... uh, and a business owner. And a business owner of multiple businesses around the state. And uh, is in a position to uh, address the the effects of, uh, of this situation, not just the medical effects and the physical effects, but the financial effects, which have only begun to be profound. So let's talk about a little bit of this data and we're going to talk to you about what the data is and what it is not all right right now as of today the coronavirus case cases reported this is tested positive are 912,998 the deaths are 45,551 that's about a 5% death rate which is an enormous number all right By country, Italy is reporting by far the highest death rate. They are reporting 13,155 deaths on a total case rate, a case load of 110,000. So that's a little over 10% death rate in Italy, which is very interesting. Uh, The USA is reporting a total of 205,438 cases uh, with a total death rate of four, a total death count of 4,528. And all the other countries of the world here, China is reporting a total of 81,000 total cases in the country where this pandemic apparently started they all are this is fascinating china is only reporting um 36 new cases 
today, the population of 1.5 billion people, they really got this thing whipped, don't they? Well, <laughs> and it's, it's not the testing. It's who counts the tests. New, yeah, it's like who counts the votes. <laughs> exactly. Same kind of thing. Uh, new deaths, seven out of China. Impressive. Oh, that is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that it is an impressive piece of work. And, you know, there are little hot spots around uh, the world. Uh, Luxembourg is interesting. Tiny little country with 2,300 cases of COVID-19. Uh, they probably share some important characteristics in common with Italy. Um, I've got three graphs here that were lovingly posted on my board today. Here are the daily case counts in New York City. All right, and I'm going to give you the numbers because I just want you to look at the graph. All right. Here are the daily hospitalization counts. Note the curve in New York City. And here are the death counts. Note the curve. Now, death counts, the last bar is probably not accurate, but note the trend. Okay. I don't see anything exponential going on. Do you guys? Well, it's not what you'd expect. No. From exponential a, a is not what you would expect. No, you, you not not for any length of time. That's not. No, it's not sustainable. I, I pointed out the fact that uh, if these models that don't, you know, these the, the scary models that just show hockey stick data, uh, that by April, I mean by October the 1st, the entire mass of the observable universe would consist of coronavirus particles. Right. If, in fact, it didn't tail off. It's pretty bad. So that would be bad. That would be bad. You, me, all the dogs and cats, all the rocks and sticks and everything would have mm -hmm. been converted to coronavirus particles. Okay. Here's some other interesting data. This is from Worldometer, 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 Worldometer. For okay. those of you people in Iowa Park, okay, Worldometer. All right, communicable communicable disease deaths this year. To date, this year, three million two hundred fifty-four thousand. Seasonal flu deaths this year. 121,882. Deaths of children under five this year. 1,905,000. These are children that don't die of coronavirus 19. Uh, deaths of mothers giving birth in childbirth. Deaths, 77,485. HIV-AIDS, infected people. This is not deaths. This is infections. 41,680,000. Deaths caused by AIDS. Uh, this year, 421,424. That's uh, probably predominantly in Africa. Right? Uh, this is interesting. Deaths caused by cancer. This year, 2,058,000. 
And as we know from our conversation with our friend John Horgan, the vast majority of cancer deaths are caused by smoking, something you do voluntarily. Uh, Now, this is a fascinating thing here. Deaths caused by malaria. This year, 245,896 deaths by malaria. Yeah. Malaria. Deaths by smoking are 1,253,000 and some change. Alcohol abuse, 626,996. There have been 268,000 suicides this year. Okay. 268,000 suicides. So even these, these are not coronavirus numbers that you've just been no, going through. No, but no, no. Even, these, even are, these numbers have a lot, lot of problems in them, right? I mean. Absolutely so, they do. And so let's, let's talk you, about How do you this. define that somebody died from cigarette smoking versus alcohol versus when, cancer? When they undoubtedly when did. At all three. Had right? all three at They're the same smoking time. and drinking themselves to death as they have stage four cancer. Absolutely. Um, right. So, right. And so. Here's the here. Let's talk about specifically about numbers. Yeah. the numbers with respect to coronavirus to illustrate the problem with every bit of this data. Every bit of this data is shit. It's shit data. All right. First off, the Italian data. In fact, I posted this on our thread about this on the board. The Italian data. It was revealed about ten days ago. Uh, by one of the doctors keeping track of the data in Italy, that 88% of those people who had previously been attributed to death by coronavirus, 88% of them died with the coronavirus, in other words, tested positive, but of other causes. Now think about that. This is profoundly interesting because How do you know that all of the rest of the data, the 45,000 people that I quoted, 45,551, were not similarly confused with causes of death other than coronavirus? This this is the thing. It's just like any any sort of um study you're looking at any kind of numbers you have to look at the context you have to look how the data is actually gathered and when you're comparing one thing to another just a- any any kind of deal it's actually very difficult so if you look you know, you get these studies that try to combine a bunch of studies together you know a big meta analysis and whether that's actually done well or poorly depends on how they're putting these things together where there really weren't the the numbers were collected differently the criteria of those studies are different, you know, and how do you try to get a bigger and bigger sample size, right? No. And that's always a problem. That's a problem when you extrapolate from, you know, here's a study. It might have been well done, but you can't extrapolate it to all these other populations. I mean, you, you can extrapolate it, yeah. but whether that is justified and whether the the predictions from that extrapolation are valid, you're going to have to find out. Right. Um, and uh, depending on someone's perspective, they, they're trying to sell you. That yeah. it's, that right. it's and that's true. and I think that's the point we're trying to make is we need to be if when we're having discussions it gets really dangerous once we start discussing numbers at all the numbers they're really really questionable there's a lot of problems with 
any study, whether we're talking about things not related to coronavirus or we are, and yet we're making major policy decisions based on these, we need to be aware of the limitations in the numbers. Yes, um, we've been making major policy decisions based on a projection uh, by these people at the CDC that U.S. deaths could reach 2.2 million. Right. And it's, you know... There's, yeah, there's a whole that's, lot of assumptions that's, that's and extrapolations. Bizarre. Based there. Yeah. But I would like to make the point yeah. that I hope we can all think critically about this and step back and just ask we've all gotten really, really focused on the numbers mm-hmm. in the country. Sure. And the point we just want to, or I want to make, is that the numbers, there's problem with the numbers, and we need to be aware of the fact. The fact that there's problems with the numbers. Well, um, let's talk about the careful. Italian numbers sure. as, a, as, an, as an example. Okay, Italy's got uh, apparently a far higher death rate, a far higher case fatality rate than every other country in the world. Now, there are several reasons why this might be, and there are several reasons why that data should be completely ignored. What is the case fatality rate? This applies to to all countries. It applies to every one situation. The case fatality rate, right? We don't know is is a, is a number that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So how right. is it calculated? But, but it is calculated from people who have been tested. And if you are tested and you test positive, then you are included as a case. All right. Now. They are specifically reserving tests for people who are symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, this is interesting because that in itself is going to skew the data quite thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only nation I am aware of that has done a good job of, of conducting random uh, tests throughout the population, in other words, tested a random sample of people, not uh, not just symptomatic people or people who think they've been exposed to it, is Iceland. And the Icelandic data uh, is is pretty good. They've tested, best I can tell, about 8% of their population. And what it shows is a very, very low case fatality rate because in Iceland, they have got a handle on how many actual cases they've got. Because the more people you test that are asymptomatic, the lower the case fatality rate is, just because of the algebra. Right, right. I got this, I've got this correct. correct. So the other data point is called the infection fatality rate, the IFR. Which we'll never know. Which we will not know. Now, why will we not ever know that? We'll never be able to test everybody, and then they may already be cured. I mean, we could theoretically test for antibodies at some right, point right. Um, and know how many people are exposed, but they're just, there's just a lot of data we're never going to know. What does the test show now? What is it? They're what mainly a PCR tests. May, maybe they're do, mainly doing PCR tests. Yeah. Right. So. And, and PCR tests are not particularly reliable for what reason? Uh, because they're, well, what you're doing there is you're multiplying the genetic material, mm-hmm. right? You have two strands of DNA, mm-hmm. right? You unzip them to to double them, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna duplicate them. So the idea with the, with the with this, what you're doing is you're you're unzipping, and then you make a new strand here, a new strand there. So you take this double strand, so two, you multiply it in four. 
the four, you multiply an eight. Okay, so what you're doing is you're making a reaction where you're basically doing what? An exponential increase. Exponential increase. So you can have a very, very small amount of material and make a giant amount of it by using this reaction. Okay, so mm -hmm. it's useful for manufacturing stuff, for testing things, all sorts of things like this. But inherently, it's very, since it's so very sensitive, you could have a, the tiniest little amount there. And theoretically, if you do enough of those things, it's going to show up as positive. You set a cutoff for what you count as, you know, there. But what actually happens in practice, any kind of contamination, you know, big one is, you know, you get, you get your dandruff in your test sample. Now mm -hmm. you just multiplied that instead of what you were trying to do. Right. So it's very easy to get something right. in. So some of the numbers I've seen for some of these tests and there have been there's been, you know, various people making tests. So it's very it's hard to get a positive. There's been multiple tests on people. You get a you get a negative. They test them again. You get a positive. This was going back to China's testing. They were testing people. And they have to test them again, and they use multiple things, and this guy would be negative, then he'd be positive, then he'd be negative, because the test itself relies on just getting a tiny little sample. So we're trying to pick up a little fragment of the virus, then mm -hmm. we're multiplying it. And if the sample's wrong. If the sample's contaminated. Or contaminated. Right. Or if you don't pick up anything in that particular swab. Mm-hmm. Right? right or the cutoff let's say the if cutoff is just 20, not enough virus laying around well, if the, to if, be in that swab right if this if the cutoff was like 20 cycles or 20 you know cycles of, of doubling right. it right if the cutoff's 20 and you don't get enough you're below threshold so it's a threshold kind of test it's mm. not an absolute kind of test um so we know i mean so we know that there's problems with the testing there's problems with the numbers there's problems with there's lots of there's lots of problems with any data entered in this discussion i don't think any of us are sitting here trying to say this coronavirus is not a problem. I mean, this is no, a, no, this no is a huge problem affecting the world it, right now. We're, not, we're also not trying to make light of it. But um, I think our goal is to is to make sure that we're asking thoughtful questions about it. Right. And because right now the narrative, as it seems, there's a lot of panic. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of focus on the numbers, and there's a lot of really worse, what seems to be possibly worst case scenario in a lot of people's minds that and, are being and, presented to them. And, and a lot of this, you see this with anything, when you when you all of a sudden start paying attention to an issue, now you're focused on it, it becomes more of a problem to you. You know, we could be looking at influenza at the same time here. You know, this is a test, mm -hmm. it's done all the time. Most people don't get tested for influenza either. Most people, if you get a little bit of the flu, you just go, oh, I guess I have a flu. You don't get it diagnosed. So the numbers for, say, influenza, they're based on samples and certain people are tested, but it's not like everyone gets tested for influenza either. That's why if you go to the, so for example, you go to the CDC's numbers, they have an estimate, it's this huge range for something they can test easily and it's based on sampling. We, we may do that at some point for something like the coronavirus too, but those numbers are these big giant ranges. And right. what do they tell you? Right. Oh, this looks like a bad flu season. And oh, our, our vaccine that doesn't really work very well is really not going to work very well this year, you know? Right. Right. In other words, the, the data for influenza and coronavirus are not analogous. Well, because they're trying to do extrapolations They're, they're and doing two different things. Right, right. When they're testing for the flu, when they're making flu projections or telling us the number of cases of the flu, and we're telling us the number of cases of COVID-19, they're telling us two completely different things. Right. They, they estimate the... Uh that you have some testing and then they project the estimated uh, infection. Right. For, for example, H1N1 back in 2009, there were apparently, in retrospect, we've decided there were 61 million cases of that flu. And 
Of those 61 million cases, 18,000 people died. This is a huge number. But it's not a particularly huge number when you think about what the flu does every winter. It kills people. The flu kills people. People die of the flu every single year. And I'm sorry about that, but that's just part of being here on the planet Mm -hmm. with viruses. And it kills a a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't kill children usually. It kills old people like it, me. It's, it's the same profile as you with coronavirus. Not very many people, and as you get older, it goes up. And if you right. get plus sixty five, starts going way way up. Mm-hmm. Way up, mm-hmm. and it it it's goes way up if you smoke. Way 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 up yep. if you smoke. And there seems to be similar data with the coronavirus risk, yes. especially out of China. The smoking was a huge risk factor. One of the things that keeps getting kicked around is the idea that we're going to overwhelm the healthcare system. All right. It's not a healthcare system, it's an industry. All right. And overwhelming it will happen in some locations and will not happen in other locations. For example, in Wichita County, the healthcare system will not be overwhelmed. We have an empty hospital out on Kell right now with nobody in it because. All elective procedures have been put on hold due to an anticipation in the overwhelming numbers of coronavirus patients that uh, are anticipated within the system. Now, what is the cost of that? What's the cost? Of- yeah, this is another. This is another brand new experiment that we have n- no idea what the cost will be. Right? We have to just shut down a huge portion of healthcare, and then see what happens what yeah. are they doing to your office right now only only emergency cases so only patients in severe and, and pain that, and that's how we're proceeding that? there's been a lot of that's a very difficult question to answer and we've gotten varying explanations from different governing boards at, at one point it was only life-threatening was the way that it was described um but then you know you have patients in severe pain or or even moderate pain i mean where do, where do you draw the line and that i think I think all doctors right now are struggling with that. Um, it, it was softened a little bit by the state of Texas, the, the medical board yesterday. Um, their language had been really aggressive maybe a week ago. Um, it's another unknown. It's just what yeah, will be the results they, of this? Yeah, so you think about what does elective mean, you know? I what need to get mean? this cancer cut off my face. Right, yeah. That, that, That's the, elective. Well, is that a That's not, no, they're, or they're, what about they're proceeding with that. So you have, a pre- new, you have a new person, you know, coming in. There's something wrong with them. They don't know what it is. Maybe it is cancer, right? Right. So if you there's a concern yet, for that, being... those are still happening. So if, if a biopsy, if there's the thought of the potential for cancer, that's mm-hmm. still happening or an infection. So there is still stuff going on, but. Drastically reduced. It's drastically yeah. reduced. I mean, we're, so we're like at, all the derm offices are closed, I'm mm-hmm. sure, right? I, I believe so. I, I don't know for sure. You know, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, would, I would imagine assume. that the vast majority of dermatology is going to be called elective. Right. Under well, circumstances almost like all this, general a lot of how many melanomas will go undiagnosed during this period of time as a result of that? Sure. You know, there's and multiply that over the whole yeah. the whole healthcare industry because, right. uh, you know, things that look to a bureaucrat like elective. Mm-hmm may not be elective to the patient. 
Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So if you if you think of something like, I mean, I, I don't know if you've spoken to Owen, but like, what what about joint replacements? Is that elective? Yeah. Right. Are those elective. Right, right. If you can't walk, you can't walk. You, you can't, can't sleep. Walk. Right. Right. You Absolutely. Know, is, yeah. is it elective when there's an actual fracture that that could lead to some kind yeah. of infection? Versus you're just in a lot of pain. Well, I'll just stay in pain a little bit longer. Here's more drugs. And you'll and, be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. You know. Except we can't give you hydrocodone now <laughs> uh, because of the opioid. Right, the right. nation's opioid yeah. crisis. Whatever. And this is this whole thing's a great example of just that where the hysteria can quickly go too far. Just a week ago, I got a letter from the Texas Medical Board threatening jail time for doing non-life-threatening procedures. And then jail I got a, time I got a, for you. And then I got yeah, yeah, which was I mean, shocking. I got a letter yesterday from them clarifying that. They actually well, don't have the ability. That was they, they don't have the authority well, to throw well, doctors in jail. jail you. So, <laughs> right. so, so at the same yeah. time that several jurisdictions across the country are letting people out, you know, some they're nonviolent, we're letting them out. Other ones, yeah, they might have killed somebody, but they're old. <laughs> they're going to throw and the they doctors in jail. They, they let those people out, right? Because, well, you know, what well, if we get stuff put... in the institution where we have to take care of them? Right. They, and if it's our fault, they get sick. But doctors and scoff laws. You're going to go in jail. We'll arrest you. Right. Right. You you are, in jail. Yeah. You like, are defying right. our authority. Right. right. And we That's don't always like worse. It. So if you hear that and you don't think that we're potentially overreacting in some ways, then I don't I don't think you're paying attention to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you're Yeah. I don't think you've adequately appreciated the situation. Yeah. And so what are we I mean, what are we trying to get at here? Um because well, we've made a huge we've made a really big reaction in this country. Yes. And um and this is also completely uncharted. I, you know, I was kind of thinking this morning. This is the this is the first time we even had the ability to do something like this. I'm not sure that we could have sheltered in place house 50 arrest. years ago. House, house arrest, arrest is a proper term for the internet and the ability. I mean, Amazon Prime and and all these technologies. I don't I don't know that this would even have been possible. Now we have this massive social experiment going on, and it feels like. It feels like we're doing that without a lot of conversation about the potential downsides yes. of of what could go. I mean, you know, we've the got, phrase is the cure worse than the disease has been said. And But are we talking about that enough? Are we asking no, those questions? I, I don't think that, we are. We've I've got heard a that whole mentioned people, once or twice, but not continue to be talked about. Got a whole bunch of people, several posters on the board, on the thread, and certainly the entire media is focused only on the disease. They're focused on the number of potential deaths that this disease will cause. Uh, they keep going over and over the data and pulling the death rates out and death projections and all this other stuff. And they're doing this in order to justify the reaction to this pandemic that governments, local, state, federal governments have taken to the disease. All they want to talk about is the disease. People are going to die every year anyway. It's always like this. People die of lots and lots of things. A lot more people died of malaria in the same period of time than have died of coronavirus. Now, that's not to downplay the, the potential threat from coronavirus. It is to illustrate the overreaction to that potential threat. Potential overreaction, right? Yeah. I, it's, I don't think the overreaction is potential. I think this is an overreaction. 
You may not agree with that, Andrew, but oh, I, I don't know. I, well, I don't. I don't. Know. I, I don't. I'm know. convinced I don't. this is an overreaction I, I, because well, I, I suspect I, it may be. I, I, think, I, I, I think. I think some of the things you see actually give you that idea, right? Yes. So um, when you stop focusing on on people that are actually dead and start talking about like, well, we we could overwhelm the system, and then then you wouldn't have enough ventilators. It's like okay, so I noticed there was a shift there from people actually dead to. Well, we could overwhelm the healthcare system, well, and then anyway, what's why the next? Why are we not asking what? What's the what next? Could we be doing to the economy? That's what's not the next? What's, yeah. what's the next step? Right. Yeah. So yeah, we're and looking at one little one little part of what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just right. looking at one thing. It's like, well, our lives aren't made up of only you know, you know, living or dying from mm-hmm. a virus. Right now, yeah. we're looking at people who have died of COVID nineteen, whatever that means, in New York City. Right, we're very, very focused on that. We're, yeah. we're looking at the New York City death rates and we're in hospitals in a giant city where people are stacked on top of each other like sardines. Okay. And we're very focused on the quantity of lives saved, but there's not a lot of conversation going on about the quality of life for all of us. That's going and to remain at the That's end going to remain when potentially, I mean, we, well, does the, anybody <clears throat> know what shutting down the economy for how long is going to do? It, and nobody and does. And they don't because nobody it's does. never been done before. Yeah, this is, I, as Andrew mentioned, it might not have been possible mm-hmm. prior to today's uh, information technology situation. Right. Where the, I mean, people can work at home and you so, know. yeah, right. I mean, it probably wasn't possible. And so, so we don't know what's yeah what the economic damage here is going to be. Right. It's going to be profound. I have seen estimates and, you know, all right, I'll give you that. It's an estimate. It's a model. It's probably probably bullshit. But I've I've seen estimates of second quarter uh, GDP, that's April, May, and June, GDP drops 25%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has never occurred that did a, a quarterly drop of 25% did not occur ever once in the history of this country it didn't occur at any point even comparable to that during the great depression mm-hmm. in the 1920s and 30s right. at no point did the, did the economy suffer yeah. that big a blow in that short a period of time right. but when you tell everybody to stay in the house you tell 330 million Americans to stay home. Unless you're a bureaucrat and then you stay home still get yeah. paid. Bureaucrat, I wonder how many bureaucrats have lost their jobs during this little experiment. I'll shut up about that now because it just yeah, fair enough. pisses you know, me off too uh, bad to talk about. It. And Rip, if, if, if we knew that 150 million Americans were going to die, there's no question that we would yes. all be, I mean, we'd be going through draconian measures yes. to do anything we could to stop it. Absolutely. But if we knew that only one American was going to die, I think we all, I don't think anyone would want to shut down the economy over that. And so the, the point about the data in the beginning is we're making these huge decisions that we don't know. We really don't know what we're no. dealing with. And, you know, there are other things in, are there other things in life where we've thought about is there a balance between human lives and the economy? Um, maybe it's a crass example, but speed limits is, is one that comes to mind. And, yes. you know, we've made a decision in this country that we're going to have efficient travel and raise speed limits. And we know for a fact that that causes more deaths. If we all, if we all drove 20 miles an hour, um, there would be almost no car accident Road or car accident fatalities. fatalities. Yeah. Right. Very, very little human lives lost. Um, from car fatalities by lowering that. But we've made the decision 
to raise that. And, ha- and as a result, we have more fatalities in the same sense. Um, and and we have to balance the economic cost of this. Think yeah. about that for just a second. There have been lots and lots of irresponsible politicians all over the political spectrum saying that if it saves one life, it was worth it. Right. Now, but, kiddos, come on. Well, you, you, if it saves one life, it was worth it. Is That is that – is, Fantasy land. That, can't that be is well, Saturday is, morning cartoon level bullshit. Yeah, well, this, this is the deal. So your example of the speed limit is not bad because everyone understands that. Yeah. What you also understand is if it takes you hours to get somewhere, what have you lost? I mean, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost part of your life. Yeah. So it's a false thing to say saving lives versus the economy. You want to trade lives for money. It's like my no. life... You're using my life. My life, life is getting is used up. When you limit me, if you took me yeah. right now and put me in prison, right. you know, or just think of these people that are, they, right. they get, they're in prison for 20 years and it turns out that the prosecutor hid the evidence and they let the guy out. It's like, can you make up for that? No. no. And I think the other reason that it's helpful is we've been thrust upon a brand new problem. We have, we've never thought about, most of us haven't really spent time thinking about a global pandemic before. And we're all thrust upon the coronavirus is all new. The speed limit thing is helpful. That's something we've wrestled with for years. Right. And these are some of the decisions of, right. of years of looking at it, seeing the results, trying different po- – even different states have different policies. Right. And we've all – and so there's been a lot of experimentation that's gone on there. And we've come to certain conclusions. And 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 we've traded death in, in other ways there. So an example, another thing that's increased the traffic fatalities has been cars getting lighter and lighter and lighter to meet fuel efficiency standards. So the decision was make fuel efficiency is more important in your life because you know how cars these days – you know, you can smash them up. You, when I was a kid, you jump on top of the station wagon. It was it was steel. Yeah, it was like steel. Three eighths inch. Right. And now it's just like tinfoil. You can you can bonk, 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 pop your your car hood in and right. out because there's mm-hmm. hardly anything there. I have to be a little careful with that example because I think the crumple zones in the newer. I, I, I think I'd, no, I'd, ra- I'd rather be in a new light car. There, there, there are safety yeah, but overall, and you can look this up. You can look up the cafe-related fatalities. Is those things have led to more traffic deals? This this has been again. It's modeling, so you know, call sure. it what you want. But there's been more traffic deaths. It hasn't just been well, the speed limit. It's because you've made cars more fragile. What about uh, red light cameras? Now there was an interesting thing. Oh, Texas just made those illegal. Mm-hmm. Governor Abbott just made those illegal. But how many car wrecks were caused by red light cameras across the United States? Because people were stopping. Because people were slamming, slamming on the slamming fucking the brakes. brakes right. Instead of going and Trying to not get a ticket and then get rear-ended, sure. causing a chain reaction yeah. behind them. And, you know, there's a there's a number attached to that. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so, yeah. so the Because point, they wanted right. the revenue. Right. And because the point, they wanted the ticket revenue. Yeah, All yeah. of this illustrates that public policy, whether it be economic or health, has dramatic impacts on our lives. Yeah. And, you know, right now, I have the feeling that we have a very one-sided narrative that's all about the virus and how dangerous it is, and it very well may be. There's just so much that we don't know. Right. And we, we need to make sure that we're discussing the potential economic impact of this. And and, and it doesn't feel like we are right no, now. No, it doesn't. And I think, I think it's for a couple no. reasons. Not one a is big level. One is to people, you can actually very effectively make a threat something you can't even see, can't you? Yes. I could be making you sick right now, Andrew. You can't see it. Right. So people start getting very spooked and hyper aware. 
and, so, and not letting yeah. their friends in their houses right. and all these kinds of things because they start to get like like paranoid and creeped out. Is, They've watched we're, too many. We're programmed horror. that way, right? They, like we're as human beings, the <laughs> the the human that didn't run away when he thought there was a lion in the right, woods, right. he didn't reproduce. They're all they're all dead. The ones that had children are all the ones that ran away. We are, we are the descendants of fearful humans. So we are, we have to remember our brains are programmed to be fearful, and we need to be we need to be nervous about that. True. Then. But what the what the governments have done at different levels to different extents is say, screw your response. We're going to order you what you should do instead of letting the people we're that want to. We're not going to let you decide. We're how not going to let you live your life. Right. We are going to decide for we're you. We're going to take yeah. your life. We're, from in other you. words, we're going to make the calculation that you would normally have made for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're going to make that right. calculation for you. And if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to fine you $1,000 and we might even put you in jail, which is really a safe place to be during a pandemic, isn't it? You know, I, I you think know, there, my, there my are, point is, is that in times of fear, we need to be we need to realize that we all make mental mistakes as a government, whatever. Because and when you make we emotional be, mistakes, exactly. That's what because you're Because now we're about not thinking reaction. logically. Right. We're making emotional reactions to things because we're fearful. And we need to yeah. step back and be sober-minded. And, and think, some people are much more susceptible to that. And some yeah. people should be more afraid. If you're in New York City, you live in a thing that puts you in contact with lots and lots of people constantly. You're touching surfaces constantly. You're breathing air constantly. That has about exactly nothing to do with where I live. Yeah, how many people do you come in contact with on a daily basis? If I'm lucky, none. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I mean, you or, don't or understand. Maybe just me. You yeah, but, it's ridiculous when you talk about physical distancing, and I'm like, I live four miles away from anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the, the rules that apply in, in the hippest city in the world, Brooklyn, don't apply in Wichita County, Thank out God. in the western part of Wichita County where right. we live. The, the emotional toll here is going to be read rather dramatically in the suicide rate. We mentioned the suicide rate earlier. Suicide deaths in the world are, you know, 300,000 every year. Whatever's in that pile. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll it'll be real interesting to see what happens as people lose their businesses. Mm Mm-hmm. As, as people who are already suffering from depression or deprived from social contact, as people with uh, severe forms of mental illness don't get therapy, mm-hmm. don't get treatment, uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a cost that our betters in the government have imposed on us. And the other with physical- no thought whatsoever for the consequences of their actions. Right, right. And the other physical uh, cost, I mean, that hits really close to home is nobody's in the gym. I mean, what... Nobody's I, in is, the gym. The Gyms are way, all closed. Is the best way to be prepared for a pandemic to sit on the couch? The yeah, so what, what are yeah. positive things you can do? I mean, like, normal people normally avoid people who are sick. If, if somebody has a cold, I don't want to be around them. And I certainly... You're more careful about, you know, any of these things, touching your face, washing your hands, right. if you're around someone who's actually sick. Right? Um, yeah, and I've never, you know, somebody tells me they've got the flu when they come to the gym. The policy for the past 35 years at my gym is get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. Turn right, around. Right. Get out, and get right, out so, of here. Yeah. So you, people, you look people, like shit. I don't want the flu. I don't want the rest of these people to get the flu. Get out of here right now. Yeah, That's so people, always been the policy. People avoid things and, and all the all the warnings to wash your hands more and 
All not of stick it. your finger up your nose. Right, right, or right. Or else, I mean, that's, like, yeah, and that's good for not getting the flu, too. Um, and we're all aware that, yeah. we're all certainly aware that the the slight different, the possible difference with the coronavirus is people transmitting it before they become symptomatic. And that may right. be what's different with, with this be. is for it's influenza. And, so, yeah. and we're all aware of the, those issues, but it doesn't doesn't take away from and the then, fact that and then of everything you, else we're saying. Yeah, so so nor, just all the time, right? So people that are conscientious, you avoid people that are sick, unless it's someone you're actually actively taking care of, and then you're kind of careful. Um, and then you're not surprised if you get it from, you know, your mom when she has the flu and you get the mm-hmm. flu after you take care of her. It's like, well, you know, that happens. But it's family, and that's how that's how humans treat each other. But other than that, what, what decreases you getting sick just in general? I mean, what does being healthy mean? What does that mean for your immune system? Yeah. And, and, and not getting an illness, whether it's a flu, a cold, this thing, or anything else. As we always or, say, stronger people are harder to kill. Right, that, or, yeah, absolutely. But, but we're or, not allowed to practice we're not, that. Right yeah. now. Or we're not. suffering, yeah. or, or if you do get sick, suffering from it. So when you've done, you know, when you've been physically active and you've trained and you don't have high blood pressure, Good, because if you get this disease, mm-hmm. from what they're telling us so far, one of the risk factors of you getting a serious reaction to it is high blood pressure. And you right. go, how does that work? Well, we don't really know, but it's it's a risk factor here. And if you don't have it because you've actually taken care of yourself, you're in a better position. Right. If you're eating well and not eating, mm-hmm. you know, Frito-Lays yeah. for dinner. Right. right. Um, so, again, yeah, that it's – I mean, your whole point is great. It's not just the economic consequence. Like I said earlier, it's not just saving dollars. By sitting home at home, we are making ourselves more susceptible to the disease. I mean, you can't. Well, and you're breathing everyone's same air. Right. I mean, we're sitting there. We're we're getting weaker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're we're getting depressed. I mean, it's it's really hard to not be. And are you a little depressed right now? No, I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) And the the thing is, I mean, I I have a lot of people that I worry about because of their situations. Okay. But I I don't go on and on about the fact that no. I go outside and I'm still surrounded by like real natural world and I have no restrictions. Yeah. Right. And I think you're in a unique situation, which is awesome. And you've exactly. purposely chosen to live your life exactly. that way. But exactly. But there's, there's millions of people who I think are getting depressed. And the idea, if I were Obviously. stuck, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, if I'm anytime, anytime in Brooklyn, I start to get depressed just because of the horrible environment. <laughs> but some people like that. They did like it until they got stuck in their apartment for two weeks and they're looking at how much yeah. longer am I stuck in I mean, just imagine being up in a building, up in the air, and you're like looking down, and you're stuck there. Yeah, yeah. TV gets old, and when mm-hmm. you when you go you know, outside, but more important, you stuff. know what else gets old? What being broke? Yeah, gets real, real old. Being well, broke gets real, real old. Not being able and to eat. And the yeah. economic effects of this thing have got to be considered. They have to be weighed. They have to be weighed. Yeah. Uh, a few be- people are talking about it, but. What they have decided they're going to do is print $2 trillion out of thin air and just pass it out. Well, worldwide, you see that. You see this stimulus idea. And that's maybe you can maybe you can prop up the completely you know ridiculous debt-based economy that's i mean the the world was in a terrible situation that it was bound to collapse sometime a lot of people have questioned the timing of this like oh now we're going to pretend it was a virus when your banking system was completely paused already yeah so but but here's 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 the thing what i look at too it's like if they push this far enough what it's going to mean is there isn't food and you know who's really going to die all the poorest countries the same people that don't have the ddt and that's why they still have malaria in africa unlike here in the southern southeast u.s we don't have malaria sure 
Yeah, right? it, would be, it would be foolish to deny Those that people there is, are going to starve. Most, leg- of, most of the world does not, yeah. most of the world has to import food. Right, because there's a legitimate right? risk of a true global and if you, great depression if you, if, like we've never seen in our life. And lifetime. if you aren't Absolutely. harvesting, like, if we get a, never, back, Like has never occurred before. Right, exactly. if we now, get because a, of the interdependence yes. that we've all right. entered into right. globally. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's never occurred before. Right. You know, there were when when North America was isolated by two oceans, whatever happened here happened here. Right. But things aren't that way anymore. Yeah. And uh no and, so, and yeah. we're in a we're in a a, a a situation that this is brand new territory. We well, don't have the slightest idea right. and how this is gonna play out, right. but it isn't gonna be very good. And there's other yeah, factors. Need- there's other factors. So you don't know what's gonna happen. So so right now, like in the uh uh in the meat production, there was this big chunk, you know, spike in demand and you know, just acute shortages just because of how people are sucking things up, right? Well, they've ramped up production. So right now, all the the beef production, the pork production is all going in, you know, so those things will be, you know, the shortages will be alleviated. And we're talking about the U.S. where things are, you know, pretty, pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But if you look around, you're also going to see already that growers, you know, people producing crops are saying, well, who's going to pick this? Who's going to get this stuff? Who's going to pick strawberries yeah. this, this who's year? Gonna, who's going to come? Right. There's been calls that went out a couple weeks ago in the UK for people to, to pick their harvest because they import nearly everybody that picks right. things normally. Well, once you cut off the, and, yeah. and cut so off we, the flow of that, so someone have, else is going to have to pick up. We the, have bigger problems than we've had in my lifetime. I mean, yeah. these are huge problems and, ahead of us. And we, while we're, we need, while we're at it, let's, let's, I want to take a second here and let's, let's talk about the ethanol program. Okay. Shall we? So, so what, what, what is what? <laughs> what in the hell? If if President Trump wanted to do something effective right now, he would put a complete end to making fuel out of food. Right. All so, right. We are looking at a serious situation in the future about food, and here we can here we sit making ethanol out of out of corn when we don't need the ethanol in our fuel we've got we have a glut of oil we have twenty dollar oil right now we don't need ethanol we need corn to feed people and so maybe that we don't feed here so corn maybe we feed people in south america or mexico but it's food yeah so here's the here's the here's the deal i mean and this has come up before when when you have bad crop years and there's more Food needed. We we've seen that the, the ethanol program has impacted people in in Mexico not being able to afford food. So that's mm. that's already that's been stuff, and this is going back years. If you have a bad crop year, you have problems. But right now, um, about half of corn goes to food production. A lot of it to you know, kind of bizarre things like corn oil, but um, goes to actual food production, and thirty seven percent goes to ethanol. Now, of the rest of it, you, of you have corn it, grown in the, in the United States. Thirty-seven percent is the wow. most recent stat I've seen. Wow, that's fascinating. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot it's, of it. I would have never guessed that. Utterly pointless. Right. Yeah. So now you have you have we have, have not have, needed the ethanol in the fuel stream in fifteen twenty years. Well, it and, and it, what it does what what does ethanol and, do? It and, decreases your mile per gallon. It's hard yes. on your it's hard on your engines, especially small engines that haven't been adapted to it. Like, like cars have in general, newer cars, but it's like you're getting less per gallon out of it. You know, it's actually making your things more expensive just but, because the taxes and subsidies. And you're implying for the but, first time we might need all this extra corn yes. production. I, right? I don't know and, that the United States will need the corn, but, but maybe we, Mexico we does. We export maybe, we go through a global we, depression. We're, we're one sure. of the, 
uh, the numbers I've seen is is about only about ten percent of countries produce enough food for themselves. Mm. We're a huge exporter mm-hmm. of uh, of food. Um, so that's grain, that's meat, that's all sorts of stuff like that. And, and it's just a tragic shame that we continue down this road when even the Sierra Club a long time ago looked at the numbers involved in ethanol production and said, you know, this doesn't make near as much sense as we thought it was mm. going to, and this should be should be abandoned. And But no, we can't do that. We can't stop a government program, mm-hmm. even though we obviously know we ought to stop the government program. Which points out a, a, a terrible, terrible problem with the whole response to this thing. The government doesn't do anything well. Yet who is running the response to this pandemic? Right. Yeah, they, they all point fingers at each other. But, you know, regardless of how you want to count whose fault it is that we didn't replenish max mass stockpiles and we didn't have testing done right, you know, the CDC points at HSS and all this back and forth stuff. We, it's definitely the government, you know, mm-hmm. has done it. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, we've been woefully Bureaucrats, all of which have retained their job during yeah, this sure. tremendous unemployment Right, spike. so they're able to actually uh, um, push the costs of their things, both not being prepared and response to other people. Yeah. It's very right. interesting. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thing that I don't think has been talked about near enough. Now, we talked about the potential economic costs of, what's going on right now and we understand that it's it's whatever it's going to be and we don't know how bad it's going to be we do all understand it's going to be devastating mm-hmm. uh, everybody's had to lay off employees everybody that's laid off has been told to sit at home on the couch at color <laughs> right mm-hmm. and uh you just be good and sit down and don't give us any trouble and we won't give you a thousand dollar ticket right what happens in two years when there's a novel, another novel coronavirus? Is this the new normal way to respond to people getting sick? Certainly hope we, not. Yeah, yeah, we can't right, have it. Right. I ho- I mean, so yeah, you we hope, can't hold you, civilization you together. Hope, no, no, no. Under right. these circumstances. Yeah. No, you, you, you hope what? that the actual the, the consequences make people realize that you know what? Um, my my life and and is is not just whether somebody gets sick, right? Right. Yes. Right. And destroying things that are going to affect, especially you know the younger people, right? Coming up. Well, it, you know, we, I haven't got much time left. You know, I'll be out of here in a little while. I'm sixty four. Uh, but if these idiots destroy the economy, the current economy, and the potential economy. You, my friend, are fucked. You're as fucked as you can get because they will have taken away your ability to plan Mm -hmm. anything. Do you know what they have done to this economy by designating some businesses as essential and other businesses as non-essential? Do you see the potential there, the perturbation in investment decisions in the future? Mm. It's just, 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that's it, that's it's intrinsically possible to calculate also, what the hell yeah, is going to happen but here. Think, think about this. This is something I think that that people ought to push back against because what they basically said is your shit doesn't matter. You get up in the morning, right? You get up in the morning, and you you get dressed, and you go off and you do what what it is that you're doing for work. That's your life you're spending. And they just said, "Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You aren't worth shit." Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You're not important. Go home and sit down and shut and you up know what? and leave this to us. And even better, even better, right. go ahead. I mean, why not off yourself? You weren't fucking worth anything anyway. That's right. that's essentially what they've said. At some level, they said, you don't matter. Your life doesn't matter. Really? Yeah. So you need and to sacrifice my unimportant life and my unimportant actions for this nameless, faceless other. And interestingly, the government has designated themselves as essential. When at the same yeah. time we know that these people are corrupt and they waste resources and they yes. accumulate a bunch of money just going into endless bureaucratic things that interfere with us, whether you're yeah. in an essential service or a non-essential one, whether you produce important things or things that people think are trivial, you know. So books are non-essential. Amazon's not shipping them. Right. It's a good thoughtful question. It's a really good thoughtful question of... What is essential? And, and that's a conversation. That's another great life? example of something that's We're gonna not being happening. We're going to save lives. But right. also, you you got to stay in your house right. and you can't live mm-hmm. your life. You can't live to sit. It, yeah, if the if the government says that your job is not essential, uh, they're saying to you, you're not essential. Right. You're yeah. not essential. The government makes that decision. But guess what? The government thinks it's essential. Well, I predict that within a couple of months... For example, the governor of Virginia has shut down the entire state of Virginia until June the 10th. Governor Blackface? Wow. Yes. Hmm. Governor Ralph Northam has uh, shut down the state of Virginia until June the 10th. I predict, and I think I'm fairly safe in this prediction, if I keep nice and general like, like, I'm, like I'm about to do, a lot of people are going to have a different opinion of their government by June the 10th in Virginia than they do right now. Well, you know, I mean, if you, if you demonstrate, I mean, all I can, all I can say is that there better be millions of dead people. Well, see, that's the, that's the thing. It's in their interest. Now, this is horrible to say this, <laughs> but it's in their interest for more people to be dead. Right, right. Well, Although, if there no, aren't, that'll it'll show how the policies. Oh yeah, if, if there aren't, if right. there aren't millions right. of dead people, it'll right. show how brilliant they are. Right. That, though that'll yeah. be the claim because they completely prevented all these deaths. Mm-hmm. And if there are a million dead people, then you know, no action was too mm-hmm. radical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Despite the fact we don't have any, nobody's got a job, nobody's eating. Everybody, what's yeah, like, what's if you left. count if you count those months where you had to be complete, where you were completely restricted, how much life was lost there? Yeah, include that in the stats because that's also lost. Mm-hmm. I saw someone on Facebook; they're in a different country, and they were they're on day twenty of of being in their house already, twenty days. Mm-hmm. Being inside the house. Being inside the house. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it seems imprecise language to talk about saving lives because. Every human being dies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, I mean, we're dying. We, so it's a, so it may be a we change can prolong lives. Prolong, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but quality of that life matters. Yeah, what if we diminish quality the matters. quality of that life to right. the point where and there's a lots and lots and lots of old people right now mm-hmm. that are 
not as concerned with uh, staying alive as they are with enjoying their life. enjoying sure. the time they've got yeah. and being productive in the time they've got. Right. In other words, they are probably in a position to make different decisions about what they do with their remaining years than some jack-off in, in the county government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard... And it's their... I don't know what, you know, if you if that's not our right, if if the rights of society as a whole supersede the rights of the individual, then we've entered into a different model of society right. than this country well, it's, has ever enjoyed before, it's, it's, it's haven't very, we? It's very, it's very interesting. So what I get, my impression I get from talking to people, so there's, you know, people I interact with that are all over the country, and, you know, I keep up with different echo chambers. You know, I pop in all sorts of places where people have a completely different set of assumptions and priorities than I do. Just, you know, see what's going on. Um, and there's an awful lot of people, you know, that they're going along with this. They, they, they've bought into the narrative, you know, staying home saves lives, you know, all this stuff. They're gung-ho. Now, first of all, there's a, there's a certain percentage. They're just dying. And, you know, one of the most common things, they're dying to not have um, responsibility for themselves. And they also want to have more meaning to their lives. So all of a sudden, I'm doing something important. I'm saving lives, you know, all this stuff, and right. and all this kind of various things. And they have this 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 sense of purpose and all this thing. But people's reactions to that that vary. Number one. But even the people I know who are who are more um, individually responsible and are not, you know, so much, you know, of a collective mindset that you'll find in the cities. You know, where it by de- by you know, it's very nature. You're in a dependent situation because you're in a city and everything comes into you. You, you know what I'm saying? You're dependent. Uh, very unnatural situation. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, though, that what they're doing right now is they're just like, well, okay, I mean, I'll go along with this for right now because, all right, but at what point did they go, this is costing me. This is taking my life and trading mm-hmm. it for speculative, mm-hmm. saving lives for other people, and it may it may keep me from getting sick and dying, even though I'm not really in a... You know, I don't have the, the, the age or the conditions that would predispose me, but it could happen. Um, when do they go, you know, what the heck? These other people's, I, I'm being made to pay for everybody else, and it's not making sense. How right. long are those people going to remain in suspended? Like, well, I'll, I'll go along with it and I'll do it, you know. Yeah, um, that's what people need to start thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, like where do. where do you yeah. go? Okay, I've sacrificed enough for everybody yeah. else. Are you? I mean, are are is are people is out there willing to do this for a year? Are you? Is, is, I mean, is everybody else worth more than me and right. my family right. and my goals in life and my interests? Yeah. Am I willing to sacrifice my life for everybody else? Right. And is everyone else doing it? And then start counting those numbers because your life is getting sacrificed when your choices are taken away, when you're not able to um, conduct business, when you're not able to right. buy food. You know. Right, and the longer we stay, the more that question of essential versus non-essential becomes critical. Because, yeah, I mean, you have people who can go out and actually live their life still, and you have other people who are literally trapped at home. Yeah, and some of those essential people are feeling quite put upon, too. They're like, hey, you need to come in here and, and hand out groceries or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, hey, employer, do, do I have some protection against this shit? And they're like, no. And they're like, whoa, whoa hold on here. Yeah. Right, so some of those people are like they're looking at their risk, their risk, and going, "I don't want to risk for this." They're telling me this. They're shutting up all my friends, and yet they still want me to shut to sh- to show up. And you're like, those things, these things don't they don't make sense as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
But people have, to, I mean, if they were letting people just decide that for themselves, some people are like, cool, I'll go and I'll get my hazard pay and I'll keep working the convenience store or whatever it is. And other people are like, no, my mom's old. Uh, she lives with me. I don't want to risk her getting sick. I'm going to stay home. That's an individual decision. Making very, people mm-hmm. have different priorities, but but making on everybody, especially when you start extending something you might that 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 would be a lot more reasonable in New York City, which has right. all this, you know, right. everyone's on top of each other. Versus all this Wichita stuff. Falls, Texas. Versus Wichita Falls versus Wichita <laughs> County. It, it, it's yeah. The bottom line is that everybody has a different calculus. Right. Everybody has a different calculus because mm-hmm. everybody's situation is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, a thirty-year-old uh, power lifter. Uh, is going to respond differently if he gets sick than a 78-year-old hypertensive heart patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, but if you make a blanket policy for everybody, um, compliance is going to be a big issue here. Because it's, it's, it's unfairly mm-hmm. spreading it's, the cost yes. to yeah. groups right. that don't have the same risks. Right. So mm-hmm. protecting, you know, being super strict at things like nursing homes, which every time that's there's like three or four cases I've seen so far where some of this got in a nursing home and they're they're screwed, you know. Yeah. Um, so keeping these, you know, but by the same people, token, Carmen's mother mm. is in an assisted living facility. They've locked them in their rooms. Mm. They've locked these old people in. They won't let them in the hall. Hmm. They've locked them up. Interesting. Imprisoned them. They've imprisoned yeah. them. Wow. That's what they've done. They've locked them in their rooms. Now, a lot of those people... That's not how I'd want to spend my last days. Uh, no. ...are not going to want to spend their last days no. locked in a cell. No. When they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah, that's a scary thing. No, nobody's being asked. <laughs> I mean, we're just being told. We're being told what to do here, yeah. Yeah, and, and, it's it, just... and uh, you know, uh, yeah. And, and, and as usual, the, the people telling you it are... Not following their own recommendations. No, quite our, often our, we <coughs> uh, in, locally here. The beautiful city council here in Wichita Falls, yeah. sitting two feet apart, closer than us. Yeah. You know, way closer than we are right mm-hmm. now, making regulations about how far apart we have to stay. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, everybody's getting real tired of this shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting real, real, real tired of this shit around here. I don't know about your town or your county, but. Uh, Things are are not – people aren't happy about this because of the way – the obvious well, the, it's, corruption it's, and graft and everything that bunch, now everybody gets to see out in the open. There's a bunch of asymmetries there, right? Yes. Right, so there's ones where it's like you're ignoring that there's asymmetrical risk in different populations and different risk tolerance, right? Yes. And then you have it, you know, where these – these guys, they say, here's what you got to do, and then, you know, let's go to the lake. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go to the lake. Let's put Wichita Falls on lockdown, but I think we'll go to the lake this weekend. Yeah, my family is going to hang out at the lake with, you know. With other families, you know, because, uh, you know, we got the money and we got the connections, and we'll just go to the lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You sickening pieces of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing, the thing is there's people, and I definitely know people that are very much, they're just, to me, I just think they're paranoid and they worry about all sorts of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, they make those choices, but what's happened here is they've decided that other people get to make those choices for you. Yes. Right. 
And in fact, if you want to make your choice about what you're going to do, you are a selfish, sorry person that wants everyone to die. And we hope you die. Right. We hope we hope you get sick and die right. because you deserve yeah, it. And you're like, well, we, we see the level of malice that exists in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, but the, the thing is, it's like, hey, you can protect yourself. You can stay at your home. You can have your stuff delivered. And when it comes, you can spray it down with like, you know, alcohol and bring it. Let's sit there for three days before you bring it into the house. You can do that. But what you're saying is because you're scared, other people have to do, you know, have to go right. to your level. Of risk. Because and you're scared of getting sick. You get to run my existence. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps I'm. Uh, I don't know what would that selfish that I no, that I won't go along. No, what's what's with, false is they're pretending that they're not being selfish. Yes, they are. Mm. They're saying that their right to not get sick supersedes my right to live my life the way I want to. Now, there's some so, trade-off there. So, so yeah, that's a gray area. That's obviously mm-hmm. a gray area, sure. but it varies. With the people involved in the calculation. The context is always key. Yes. Just like the numbers, mm-hmm. the context is very important. When you talk about the risk, it's very important. You know, it, Wichita County isn't anything like, you know, New York. No. Nothing. Right. But yet, it's Zero. under similar similar lockdown right similar now. Similar lockdown. Yeah. Be, and, and partly because, you know, local government's like, well, let's act like we're big and important and uh, force, push people around. We, see what, we know what this is. There's mm-hmm. no doubt, you know. At least on our level, we, we have experience with these people. But you're free to be as strict as you want with your contacts, to stay home, not make money, watch TV, eat cheetahs, whatever you want to do. That's right. But what you're doing is you're trying to make me pay for your fear. And at what point, I mean, seriously, at what point is, are you so afraid point, yeah. of dying yeah. that yeah. you are that you yeah. will not live your life? Yeah. Right. Being yeah. afraid of dying. Are you think so of that afraid now? of yeah. being dead that you will lay down? That you can't right. live and let people walk all over that. your ass. Just, just think about that. And how, just, how long would you do this? Yeah, I mean, I, that, I think that's an interesting thing for people to ponder. How yeah. long? How long? I mean, ten years. And, and ten years. As we mentioned previously, how many times during your life yeah. would you do this? Are too? you willing to undergo this process? Yeah, because you have just gotten through showing somebody what you will tolerate. Mm-hmm. They are pushing you and they're pushing you and they're pushing you and they're measuring the number of steps backward that you will take. Don't think they're not measuring. Oh, no. This is a, this is a test. People are gathering data and you are providing them with a very accurate assessment of how much they can do next time. We talked about how bad the data is. The data is horrible. We don't know anything about this, yet we're making policy decisions. When you see things in the media, you see things, see graphs, you see charts, you see death counts, you see piles of bodies in the hall, in the basement of the hospital, you see mass graves, you know, plumes of smoke rising from the Chinese countryside, mass graves, piles of bodies. You you cannot just let this soak into your brain without thinking about it first. So what's the right way to evaluate information at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- so the first thing to keep in mind is that a lot of the data is 
it's it's all questionable, right? It's none of it is exact. I mean, no matter what, even when we get to number of deaths. I mean, maybe that's as precise as we can get. But all the rest of this data is really questionable. Right. And then I it's, mean, the death counts. We know. Look, there's a body. There's but a body. Why is it dead? But why is it dead? Exactly. Why right. is, it, why is dead? it dead? Right. And so, and then, and then that's often being extrapolated out. So, I mean, unfortunately, one of the first things we have to ask now is, what's the agenda of the person? I mean, in the world we live in, what's the agenda of the person presenting this to me? I yeah. mean, so, what, what's the point they're trying to make? And then does their data, have they cherry-picked data to support their political viewpoint? Because this has become very politicized. Right. Um, so I, I think everybody, as soon as, you know, back in January, at least I was following it, things start coming out from China, right? And what's your first reaction? How accurate is that information? First reaction right. is it's, yeah. it's when China tells you they've got seven new Deaths yeah. yesterday, right? You know that, that doesn't sound that, right. That 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 is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So, right. the, so the you first know thing is bullshit. Yeah. So don't listen right. to it. But so, my my point though is, everybody as soon as China comes out with information, they go, yeah, I don't know what's really going on here. Are they trying to? Do they really have a bad situation? And they're trying to damp it down. Is what's going out to us different than what they're sharing in the country? You know, because right. there's all sorts of different motivations. But everyone that looks at Chinese data goes. Well, okay, that's interesting, but how good is it, right? Yeah, so right. initially they had their they had their death counts in this, and then you see, you know, projections. They they say how much things were shut down, and then you look at you know their electricity use. You look at our you know oil tankers not being docked in the ports. So you start to have other measures that tell you how much of an impact it has. But everyone looked at that skeptically. Right, okay? and I think that's right. the right everyone place did. to start. Yeah, but here's so. the thing: that's what you need to do in the United States too. That's what you need to do if you get you pick up the Guardian in the UK. You need to look at those skeptically as well. You are a fool if you believe these people, just just on the face of it. Yes, because, because they are the media, and they lie because, professionally. Because the the media, if we've ever had news media, I mean, it's it's a propaganda organ. Yes. And there's competing outlets, there's competing motivations, and they all, all, all the mainstream ones, work in very close uh, proximity to the governments. Right. So they're kind of like actually, right. you know, you know, you start thinking about it. It's like you have to understand where that's coming from, um, and if you dig on some of these things a little bit um, with some of the the data you get, you start going, yeah, but then there's this. So let's say it's the Italian data. You go, yeah, but here's well, the numbers. But you know, the well, average the average people dying of uh, attributed in Italy for the coronavirus is higher than their life expectancy. You know, you start going, God, how old are they in Italy? To go back to your question about right. how do I how do I think about the data? The first thing I ask myself is I play devil's advocate with myself. Mm -hmm. How could this not be true? How could the opposite of this be true? Um, and I loved what you were alluding to, which is, okay, what what's the underlying? So often when we're reading the news, we're just getting the top, the sensational number, the top story. What, what are they actually quoting? Where's the the research behind right. what they're quoting? Read that. They're Go back and look at the source. Interpreting it for you, right? Rather than so, you got to actually look at the data yourself. You got to you got to yeah. look at the information you yourself as much as you can access it. Right. Right. As easy as it is to just read the abstract, this is probably the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Especially in a situation that's critical. Especially if you're you know. in any position of leadership right now, even at a local level. If you don't have the ability to do that, you need to surround yourself with people that do and not be taking away sensational headlines and making policy decisions based on a journalist's interpretation of a study. Right. I mean, that's really scary if a politician is making policy decisions from a journalist's interpretation of a scientific article. That's yeah. that's not yes. a person that's qualified to do that. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. The, the, the other thing in, in general, too, um, 
is it's it's become a thing over time. Um, we've been trained to look to the experts. Again, this is just like he was saying to look at the actual data and, and just take someone else's interpretation or distillation of it. We've been trained over time. We've been accustomed to you look at the expert. You look at the guy with credentials. You just you don't think because your experience doesn't matter. Your evaluation of the risk doesn't matter. That's how we've been trained over time to mm-hmm. react to stuff. But think about it. I mean, just just even here locally. Okay, you know, you know, yeah, obviously you don't want to get stuff, you know, you don't want to be around sick people, it might be hard to identify sick people, all this stuff, but it's just like, well, what's what's your situation? Well, if your situation is you're not you're coming in contact with the same 10 people every day, it's different than if you're in New York City, right? right, right. So you ought to be able to say like, yeah. yeah, man, I'm glad I'm not in New York City. Cities have always been about famine and plague. You know why? There's a bunch of people stuck together. Mm-hmm. And if things go wrong, things get really bad really fast. Yeah. Is that different than, you know, out here in North Texas? Yeah, it is. Right. So don't, you, you shouldn't be reacting as much out here as you are there. If I was in locked up in my apartment in Brooklyn, yeah, I'd be thinking about a mm-hmm. pistol. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Someone's yeah. dying. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I think one last point to that, too. I think if you are thinking critically, you have to, if you're going to listen, if you're going to read what one expert feels like, find the expert that believes the opposite and read both of their opinions. Right. And then start to form an opinion for yourself. Yeah. You're really doing a disservice if you haven't looked at both sides. Right. You can you can certainly look at something that, oh, this seems plausible. This, right. Yeah, I kind of like this seems plausible. Look at the guy saying, yeah, but, you know, he left out that data does this, and yeah. I come up with a whole different thing. And they go, and then what's my actual situation? Because together. what is your yeah. experience is very important. Right? right. And then, yeah, you can use your own your experience, experience to fuse those together and say what makes sense here. Right. Okay. You should not and, be discounting your own experience yeah. and your own context for the experts that are completely in a completely different yeah. situation. People do that, though. And yeah. in addition to that, if you're looking, there are two sides to this problem. There's the disease side of the problem. Mm -hmm. And then there's the effect on society Mm -hmm. side of the problem. Mm -hmm. You have to look at both. You have to look at both. You have to look at both. You have to. Like an actuary, you have to look at all of the data because there's a cost-benefit analysis, a risk-benefit analysis Mm -hmm. to this situation. Right. Uh, People are going to die. Yeah. I think that. I think, yeah. But but they're going to die. People are going to die anyway. But like we mentioned earlier, is the cure worse than the disease? Mm-hmm. And we are headed in the direction of hell yes. Yeah, it is. quite possibly. It's quite possibly. It's quite it, possible. It, it most yeah. assuredly will be. Yeah. Appreciate y'all being here today. Andrew, yeah. thank you for yeah. coming in. Steph, yeah. thanks for coming in. Uh, Dr. Mueller, Dr. Bradford have joined us here on Starting Strength Radio. Uh, guys, um, Use your heads, stay safe, but use your heads. Thanks for watching.